ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So, if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition. Uh, I'm joined today by Chris Motes, who is the executive director of the Catholic Conference of South Dakota. Chris, good to have you back. Great to be here. Would you mind, I just said what your title is, would you mind... Talking a little bit more who you are and what you do in that order, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Motes, I'm, I'm happily married and have three little girls, uh, parishioner at the cathedral here in Sioux Falls. And I'm the director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. The conference is a bishop's conference. Uh, it, is, it is a public policy uh, eyes, ears, and, and voice uh, for, for the Catholic bishops of South Dakota, kind of watching what's happening up in Pierre and following uh, trends in the law. And you've been in that role for how long? Yeah, uh, over a year now. Okay, okay. Um, originally from Sioux Falls. That's right. Okay. Uh, if you just never tuned into Ignition before, my name, my name again is Chris Bergwald. I'm the director of Adult Discipleship Evangelization with the Diocese. I've been married for, it'll be 20 years this summer to Jermaine, and we have five kids. Uh, we live in eastern Sioux Falls, but neither of us are from here. Um, I'm originally from central Minnesota, and my wife is from Ohio, but we love South Dakota. So here we are. Glad you're here. Glad, glad to be here. Um, so, Chris, uh, the last time we actually re- recorded an episode of Ignition, uh, you were the host. Uh, I have been able to find a co-host since you were on last time because it was that good, apparently. Oh. Or I don't know. Hmm. I don't. I, I don't know what other explanation, what conclusions to draw beside, from other than that. What What do you think? I'm skeptical. Oh. Like Descartes? Yeah. No, no, okay, never mind. Uh, that's, that's, that's referencing an offline conversation we had <laughs> that we're not going to get into today. So what we are going to get into today um, is an issue which I think both of us think really goes to the heart of so many of the difficulties and problems that we're facing in, in our culture and our society today. Would you agree? That's it. So the give the the, the the issue which which Chris and I both see as um, fundamental to so many issues and problems in our society and culture today is the givenness of reality. What's that mean? What the heck does that mean? <laughs> okay, so let, let's unpack that a little bit, Chris, and then we'll get into why this is so important. So um, do, do you want to take a first crack at explaining the givenness of reality, or do you want me to go first? You know, um, I don't know if I could do as, as good of a job, but it's essentially just the idea that uh, that there's there's so much that precedes us, um, you know, within the order of reality that that we accept as it is. And we don't create through our own will. But we do create through our own will. We make stuff. That's the interesting question. Because there is, there, there's so much givenness in reality, both uh, materially, spiritually, things we can see, things we can't see. 
yet at the same time, we're, we're called to be co-creators. I mean, we, we do. Yeah. Um, you know, we so have, I... I, I sort of pushed. I, I, I that was like a, yeah. That was that was <laughs> a, 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 what, what was that was that? an eighty yard drive. That was a, yeah yeah. So let's 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 back the ball up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I would start with the saying, sort of the, you know, there there are little the little throwaway lines that we use, you know, or, or phrases like fillers, like cool, neat, fantastic. Um, one popular one today, uh, which frankly annoys a good friend of mine. It is what it is. It is what it is. But think about what that phrase means. Like I think I love to think about these like little like it's just the way it is. Is is probably the older version of that. It is what it is. The nature of whatever it is is what it is. It is what it is. Well, duh, right? Right. Well, if you think about the state, the phrase, it's like, well, that's well, yeah. Of course, it is what it is. But that's not how in our society and our culture. That, that's actually not the, the way that many of us are operating today. We've got this, this idea, which actually is centuries old, that it isn't what it is. The nature, that the nature of reality is not something that's given to me that I receive, but instead that I make of reality what I want it to be. That it doesn't mean something by itself. Right. It means what I says. It is what I say it is, is what it is. Right. Would be the way to put that. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's your truth, Chris. Right. Exactly. Yes. But my truth is. Right. You know. Right. Because, because <clears throat> what is truth, the, 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 like the, the philosophical definition of, definition of that's true means that's the way things are. Yep. The correspondence of what I'm thinking with the way things are. And if you're, the way you're thinking doesn't correspond to the way things are, then you're wrong. Hey. Oh, oh, oh. What do you think? Would you quit judging me? I'm sorry. But yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty prejudicial, bigoted statement I just said. Well, careful. So that's, <laughs> but, isn't that, but that's where we are today, right? It's, it's, it's true. You know, it's, um, it's, it's really true that uh, there are a lot of... There are a lot of people that think that that existence, that reality, it proceeds from it proceeds from their mind, it proceeds right. from their own thought rather than something they receive. Right. right. And it and it's finding, you know, it's it's finding traction in the world of politics. I can attest to that firsthand, having having listened to conversations and heard testimony. But it's something that's existed, you know, even just in the jurisprudence of our country for some time. I'm not saying that's the origin necessarily, right. but uh, well, yeah, and I think there's there's a passage that I think you're going to to refer to here momentarily that occurred to my mind when we we're talking about this about this topic for this episode, right? Um, from I think 1991 or 1992. 92. 92. Uh, go ahead. You're the lawyer. You you go ahead. And... Well, thank you. Yeah, and it. So this is. Um, yeah, I'll just read it, and then we'll talk about it. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. And that's... Wait, wait, don't say what that's from yet. Okay. I, I, I want to save that because I think that'll impact how people read it. So can you, can you just read the line again? Let's talk about this passage before we give away what it's talking about. At the heart of liberty is the right <clears throat> to define one's own concept of, of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. So, <laughs> this has been called the mystery path. It seems very profound, philosophical. I mean, wow, you just, 
It's so poetic. The so sweet poetic. mystery yeah, of the life. Yeah, the sweet mystery. It's bunk. Yeah, it's not true. It's baloney. <laughs> it is It is absolutely erroneous and false. It's I a- don't have the freedom to redefine reality. The, 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 we're talking about, I'm wrong. Um, <clears throat> what if my high school freshman went to her biology teacher or her Latin teacher and said, um, teacher, actually, I got a hundred, uh, I got a hundred percent on this test. No, no, you were, no, no, no. I've redefined the nature of Latin, uh, in accordance because that's what it means to be free and I'm free. I'm an American. That's that's what this passage said. It's a free, At the heart of liberty is the right to define everything. It's a free country, man. It's a free country. <laughs> Who are you to say I got my that that I don't know what uh, ipsum quid or whatever that, the Latin phrase it is is? <laughs> no, no. We we the nature of education implies. Uh, we learn things about the way things are. It is what it is. Right. I don't get to redefine reality based on my own personal desires, preferences, or whims, no matter how deep-seated they might be. That's right. Or, or, or no matter how well-intentioned they are. Just because I'm a good person doesn't mean I get to make the reality the way I think it should be. So, but... Being kind to you, don't I have to be kind to you? And doesn't that mean just accepting whatever you say is your truth? Uh, that is the dominant thought today. I would say no. Um, because if I really love you, I don't want to just, I don't see you kind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist that. Sure. Just be nice. Yeah. No. We're called, okay, at least speaking for you and I as Catholics, and maybe I'm guessing most of our listeners who are Catholic, we're called to love other people. And loving other people doesn't, oh, that's, you just think what you think. No, the, the nature of loving is you want them to experience reality as it is because it's in, and I'm, again, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but it's in real, experiencing reality as it is that I find authentic fulfillment. Yes? That's it. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're created for. That. Right. So let, let's go back to okay. I'm get, we're getting I keep getting ahead of myself here, and th- before we uh, sort of unveil the mystery of this passage, uh, any other thoughts on 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 what it says? You know, um, j- j- just the fact that it's actually this isn't uh, this passage isn't surprising. It's not revolutionary in the sense of it didn't upset people. Nobody nobody was like, oh yeah, that's totally wrong. The, this is actually kind of. This is just the water that we're all drinking. Everybody accepted. Right. Yep. This is just in in the soil out of which we're all growing. Right. So that's that's my only comment about it. And remember, that was 1992. Where are we today? Right. We're, yeah. be- we're bearing the fruit of this. And again, this wasn't new, but right. um, the the fruit of this plant, which has been around for a long time. So w- what is the uh, what is this passage so from? These these words were written by Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy in Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992. It's a famous case that um, that builds on Roe versus Wade, uh, and and uh, enshrines in law the legal right to take the life of an unborn person. Right. So this this <laughs> uh, Justice Kennedy wrote these words, basically, in, as you said, in defense of Roe v. Wade, um, solidifying the right to in, in American law to kill an unborn human being. That's right. Um, because. 
Why can we do that? Because at the heart of liberty is the right to define all this stuff. It, bunk. Yeah, and it's uh, the idea there is is autonomy. I right. am free. I am autonomous, and there are no due limits on my autonomy. Right, right, and, and that, so. Um, two things from that, and, and this has been a topic on, on recurring topic on ignition over the years, the idea of what authentic freedom is. So there's th- this idea, autonomy, means I'm freedom from external coercion. You can't tell me what to do. I'm free. I, I'm an American. I'm free. Okay, there is that reality. That, that, is a, that is an aspect of what freedom is. But freedom, even more than being freedom from external coercion, is freedom for excellence. So there have been men and women who have been imprisoned and yet would say, I'm free. Like, what do you mean you're free? You're in prison. No, because I am flourishing as a human being, even though I am externally um, constrained. Yeah, that would, that would be the experience of the Soviet dissidents who are— Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Even you kind of detect a little bit of it in the, the famous quotation from St. John Paul II— Maybe apocryphal, maybe not. A journalist asks him, Holy Father, when do you get any free time? And he says, all of all my that. time is free time. Amen. Amen. So, and, and I think if you think about it, if you think, like, you've, we've, I think most of us, if not all of us, have experienced, as adults, experienced this sort of freedom. When things are going really, the classic example that's raised are especially like the arts and, and athletics, where you... You have to shoot a basketball with a particular form, or you have to swing the golf club in a particular way. Well, said, well no, I'm not going to swing it like that. Well, that's why you don't hit it 200 yards or whatever. Like, It's when you do it the way you're, quote, unquote, supposed to, that good things happen. Yeah. it Actually, we, and we put a fence around our, our yard last year and because we, we live on a busy street. Right. Um, when we put the fence around the yard... My children became more free in their play. Amen. They used the whole yard, and their creativity outside exploded. Right. Because there were there were these limits that ordered the play. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you're just tuning in to listen to Ignition, a broadcast of the New Evangelization, I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. Chris Motes is with me, and we're talking about the givenness of reality, <laughs> just the reality, the reality that that. Uh, the nature of things are such that we find meaning that's already there rather than impose meaning on us. So we were just looking uh, before this break at um, Planned, Parenthood, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, just this line in here, which really, Chris, is though indicative, as you are, as you said, it wasn't really original to jurisprudence, wasn't original to American culture. We've been going down this route for a long time, but today we're seeing the fruit of this plant really uh, come forth uh, in, in, in particularly powerful ways. So this is this is not really uh, so much a pro-life question anymore. It really is much deeper and even broader than that. Yeah, it, it totally is. It's you know it's something we we see in these new theories of gender. You know what is it what does it mean to be a man or a woman? And so it's you know, and we can go back to Genesis, uh, male and female. He created them, but it. You know this this reality. You don't actually you don't have to be a Christian to believe it. You just have right. to look at your own body and realize that to be a male or to be a female proceeds from uh, it, it comes from a reality that actually precedes us, and it's just observable in nature. Right uh, in that particular instance. Right. 
You know, it's um, it doesn't proceed from our inner experience or, right. or what we feel or think or what's going on in our head. Or my my will, my desire, my intention, my what I want to be the case. That's it, right. It, it's it's given. It's already something that's already there. You can intend anything otherwise, but your intent doesn't alter the fact that that is and precedes your your intent. Okay, but think about something like um, a tumor. A tumor's given, isn't it? So are you saying that we shouldn't do something about a tumor because it's reality that's given? Well, we can we can look at created reality in nature and we can see that there's um that within nature there's there is actually form that proceeds. And so we we can look at the form of the human body and look at all the functioning of the different systems of the human body and we know by looking at them that they're they're made to do their function. They're made for the purpose that is apparent in them. Right. So if you have cancer in your lungs, you can see that the cancer is very obviously impairing the function of what your lung was created for. Right. So it's, yeah, even though it it's an anomaly within nature or a, a flaw, if you will, it's attacking that, that, that good natural system. So it's totally appropriate to... Remove it. To remove it. Heal it. Because, as you said, it's Im- impairing, it's inhibiting the proper function, in that instance, of the lung. That's it. Um, so going back to this idea of the givenness of reality, so fundamental to that is the idea of recognizing that everything that exists is a gift. A gift is something, again, that's given by someone. So at the heart of this, Ignition is a Catholic podcast. This should be a surprise to anybody that we're talking about God here. But going to the heart of this is the recognition that God has created everything, and everything has a meaning. Everything has a purpose. And going back to what I said at the beginning and what you said in response, our task, if you will, is to discover, not to create meaning in reality, but to discover it. It's already there. It's already there to find it, to discover meaning and purpose. And when we do it, we're happy. We flourish. We flourish. Yeah. And I guess the lesson you know, that I see in my own work is that just within our, our social life together, we ignore it at great cost to our human flourishing. Right. Right. Which, so what are you thinking of there? You know, it could be, it could be anything. It could be back to um, you know, this basic point about, uh, about liberty, Kennedy, uh, 1992. But um, it, it could be, I guess, an obvious example from the last century is is marriage. Sure. You know, man and woman. Yep. Um, we've got these elements of marriage: faithful, fruitful, lifelong. I mean, it's, and when you start knocking out those those elements, these these deeply meaningful elements of of marriage, then it's like, well, golly, are we surprised that that there? Um, that there are harmful effects and consequences, right? And and the honestly, the the idea behind kind of knocking out these elements, it's the same autonomy, right? You know, I I I'm no longer fulfilled, or I'm no longer satisfied, or that's as if that's the meaning in mar- the meaning of marriage is to satisfy you, no, right? It's actually to, to for the other, yeah. Um, so we, I mean, we could go through any one of a number of different truths. That the church is consistently known and taught. The, the other thing that occurred along these lines, like just look at the 
the, the way things are uh, and em- embracing that leads to flourishing, rejecting it doesn't, uh, the reality of any form, frankly, of sus- substance abuse or addiction. That's it. Is it nice? Is it kind to say to the alcoholic, well, you, you be you. You know, you go, you go ahead, have, have another drink. Yeah. No. But, but, but within this mindset, how do you say no? Because, well, if, if, if at the heart of liberty is your right to define, if, if I'm the alcoholic and it's right, well, why, why do I, who are you to say I can't have another drink? Yep. And is, therefore, is it nice for you to tell me to stop? That's not very kind. We, we, we could take it to an example that is even a bit more sensitive because of the stakes in suicide, um, just the, the, the taking sure. of one's own life, which is, which is always a tragedy. But, you know, we see that as our society in some places marching Marching towards physician-assisted suicide. Thank God, it, uh, South Dakota has rejected it politically thus far. But you know, why not? If why not? If you want it, and and that's what what you think uh, is going to be meaningful to you. What by by what principle can you say? Can you deny that to a person? Right. Yet we recognize. I mean, this, the Centers for Disease Control is is putting out all sorts of data and resources because we. We recognize societally, like oh, this is actually harmful. It's an evil. Um, but when we start, you know, mystery of life, we're talking about the unborn. We start talking about the other end of life. Oh, it's maybe okay in some circumstances. No, no. You know, it's um, that there are there are due limits on our autonomy. Right, right. I, I think another example, like I think that was probably many of us have experienced, we ourselves, our loved one, eating disorders. Yeah. People who think that, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm overweight, who, and they're, they're un, already unhealthily skinny. Yep. They're underweight, but their experience of themselves is that they're overweight. It's not nice, and it's not kind to, tell, to agree with their misperception of who they are. But but when it comes to obviously that 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 easily translates then into the whole gender ideology question, Chris, what do you think, especially in your work? What's the differentiate? Why, why do we feel like if somebody identify who, who's female but they identify as a man, why does society say that we should? Uh, uh, help them embrace their perception of themselves when in the case of an eating disorder. Society doesn't say we should. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> um, it's not entirely clear because they're so obviously analogous, yet um, you know the powerful cultural forces are treating them as as like, oh no, this is actually you were born in the wrong body if you think you were right. Like, um, how is that any different than the eating disorder or or the you know there are the documented cases of. Big, strong bodybuilders, they look in the mirror and just think they're like tiny and weak. It's like, no, dude, you're huge. Right. Um, or, or documented cases of somebody that has body dysmorphia with like a perfectly normally, normal, healthy limb. You know, these, it's, it's actually a condition. And they want it off their body. Right. But right. it's like, no, no, that's, that's a healthy hand. Let's, 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 the, um, cutting it off is not the answer. Right. Um, you know, I'm, but so it's, it's a bit unclear to me uh, why exactly the cultural forces are, you know, di- differentiating between the two. I think um, the easy answer would be, well, it's part and parcel with the sexual revolution I of the last, last I, century. I agree. You know, where, and why is, why is the enemy, why is the evil one going after sex? 
because it's it's at the heart of of marriage and and participating in creation with God and actually um, giving society a, a living image of a trinitarian exactly. relationship of love. Okay, so we just, you just said a, I completely agree and I'm like Amen, preach it, brother. But unpack in in the like yeah. four minutes we have left. Yeah, that's a big question. Unpack yeah. what you just said right there. The sure. sexual it, it's about the sexual revolution and the evil ones attacking sexual marital love. Why again? Well, John St. John Paul II um, he he taught on this so well, so consistently, so long. Married love, this theology of the body. Married love is it's an icon of the Trinity. It's, it's an image of the Trinity. It's, a, it's an image of the Trinity, a relationship of of love, self gift that that has new life proceed from it. It's self gift that results in more. It's it's abundantly generous, and I think that's um, you know my view why the enemy is going after it and why the sexual the enemy has used the sexual revolution to undermine this beautiful gift of God to permit to permit us those called to this vocation of marriage to participate in his abundant generosity in creating new life. So, and that's, and that's what Pope Francis would say about uh, new theories of gender, gender ideology, is that um, because it's undermining the complementarity of man and woman, it undermines the very anthropological basis for marriage. It, it, it destroys the concept. Say, right? say, that, say that again. Pope Francis would say that gender theory is terrible his exact words, terrible, because uh, it denies the fruitful complementarity of man and woman as created by God, givenness and reality, um, thereby, and it undermines the anthropological basis of marriage. What, when you say anthropological, what do you mean the anthrop- anthropological basis of marriage? Um, uh, an- anthropology is a study of man. Okay. So okay. the the the... The meaning that we have is as human beings participating in a, a marital relationship. But but again, but you keep saying that there is no meaning in because I create it. That's the problem <clears throat> that we're going back to at the beginning. Society has rejected that idea selectively based on apparently the sexual revolution that reality has an objective meaning even of, in and of itself. You know, I was out um, we, before moving back back to Sioux Falls. We had a little hobby farm out in the country. You could start see the stars beautifully, just amazing. And we're looking up at the stars, and you can kind of see just a tinge of the northern lights to the north. Yep. And my little girl Franny, who's four, um, she says. Why? It's because God loves us. Mm, amen. Yeah. So it's like, and, and many of us have had that experience, you know, looking at a sunrise, seeing beauty that's in created reality. And we just have this experience that we can't actually put into words maybe. Um, and the answer is because God loves us. Like that's, that's the meaning that's there. And again, so again, the givenness, it's a gift. He's given us our own existence as a gift. He's given us all of, he's given us all of creation as a gift. What do you do with a gift? You receive it in love. You don't, well, this is stupid. I'm going to remake this into whatever I want. No, you receive it. And for centuries now, and we didn't have time to get into the philosophical foundation of this. It goes way back before the sexual revolution of the 1960s, way back into the, at least the 16th century, if not further, um, with this idea that our fundamental task is not to discover the nature of reality, to remake it, reshape it based on how we see fit. Um, instead of receiving it as a gift. So, Chris, thanks for being on Ignition today. Great to be with you. And again, 
I, I guess my takeaway for this would be look at reality, praise God, and thank him for what he has given to us. And that will wrap us wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.